Hello, my dear friends. Welcome to the He Fasts podcast. Together, you and I, by the grace of God and through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, we will persevere in living a life of heroic virtue and become saints. Each week, we will explore aspects of our Catholic faith to get to understand as best as our limited human minds can manage our Lord's infinite love and thirst for our souls, and so respond with the generosity of heart He requires of us. Thank you for joining me, and I'm your host, Sony Moriyuki. Hey friends, man, this right here has got to be the most sporadic podcast on the internet. I'm so sorry, my friends, mea culpa. I'd like to ask for your prayers for this apostolate, that we may persevere and always be conformed to the will of the Father, so that it can bear supernatural fruit and lead souls to the kingdom of heaven. So this podcast will go up on the solemnity of St. Joseph, whom I'm sure by now you've heard a lot about, especially with this being the year of St. Joseph. I've been extremely blessed these past four weeks, immersing myself into the reality of precisely who this great saint was. I didn't know much about him, except that God spoke to him in dreams, and that he placed Our Lady on a donkey, and walked to Bethlehem, laid the Redeemer of the world in a manger, and later fled to Egypt. Oh yes, and he's a go-to guy if you ever want to secure a job. That's it. That's all I knew. But thanks to a book I've been devouring called Consecration to St. Joseph by Father Donald Calloway, my mind and heart have been illuminated with life-changing knowledge about the spouse of the Mother of God. I will endeavor to highlight some of the things from the book that blew my mind about the man who brought up the word incarnate through whom all things were made borrowing from a few invocations contained in the Litany of St. Joseph. The first invocation is Joseph Most Just. Sacred scripture tells us that Joseph was a just man. The Catechism defines justice as moral virtue that consists in constant and firm will to give their due to God and neighbour. The just man is distinguished by habitual right thinking and the uprightness of his conduct towards his neighbor. Growing up as a young Catholic, I was exposed to the theory that St. Joseph sought to divorce Our Lady after he discovered her pregnancy because he doubted her fidelity. But now after reading the consecration to St. Joseph, I am completely disinclined to hold that theory. Think about it. Joseph most just, with knowledge of scripture and of who his wife was, a spotless, immaculate, perfect human being, did not for a second doubt her fidelity. He recalled the writings of the prophet Isaiah that stated, Behold, the virgin would conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God among us. And so St. Joseph realized that the virgin the prophet spoke of was his wife, 
So mystified was he at what was unfolding before him that he could not fathom himself worthy to take this woman, bearing God within her, into his house. And so he planned to distance himself from this great mystery, and quietly for that matter, because, being a just man, he knew Our Lady committed no wrong, and it would thus be unjust to expose her to consequences she did not deserve. I came across a quote by St. John Chrysostom that moved me in ways I cannot even begin to describe. He said, O inestimable tribute to Mary, Joseph believed in her chastity more than in her womb, in grace more than in nature. He plainly saw the conception and he was incapable of suspecting fornication. He believed that it was more possible for a woman to conceive without a man than for Mary to be able to sin. I think I need to read that again for you guys. He believed that it was more possible for a woman to conceive without a man than for Mary to be able to sin. I mean, it would be absolutely gratuitous to say anything else because St. John Chrysostom has said it all. The next couple of invocations are Joseph Most Chaste, Chaste Guardian of the Virgin and Terror of Demons. If you examine the majority of the artwork depicting St. Joseph, you will find that he is often portrayed as an old man. There are a number of reasons why this is so. Some early Christians proposed the idea of St. Joseph being an old man in order to safeguard Our Lady's perpetual virginity. Some even went as far as suggesting that St. Joseph was a widower who fathered children before being betrothed to Our Lady. But the truth is, St. Joseph was neither old nor a non-virgin. Mother Angelica famously said that old men don't walk to Egypt, a long journey laden with innumerable perils with wife and child in tow, both of whom needed to be protected. Furthermore, old men don't walk from Nazareth to Jerusalem three times a year for religious festivals. They certainly don't run carpentry workshops that require an enormous amount of physical strength. St. Joseph was a man of great virtue, the superlative of all virtues. It could not have been any other way. God the Father prepared him for the most spotless, beautiful, and immaculate woman, and he was a man responsible for the sustenance of his divine son. Chastity is not a residual virtue, something left over after using up what you can. Chastity is a virtue characterized by supernatural mastery over your passions at the height of their potency, particularly during youth. It would be no credit to St. Joseph to suggest that he was the chaste guardian of the Virgin because of his old age, with nothing left to give up. He was a chaste Virgin precisely because of his youth. So young couples today need to turn to Our Lady and St. Joseph for inspiration of how to love each other well, 
recognizing that by virtue of their baptism, they are the indwelling of the Blessed Trinity. Our Lady and St. Joseph were truly united in mind and heart, but not in body. Yet their hearts were so aflame with love for each other that there has never been a pair of hearts bursting at the seams with torrential love like their hearts were, nor will there ever be. This is why anyone who faces temptation against the virtue of purity should invoke the holy name of St. Joseph and seek refuge beneath his fatherly cloak. He truly is the terror of demons. Venerable Paulton Sheen once said, To make St. Joseph out as old portrays for us a man who had little vital energy left rather than one who, having it, kept it in chains for God's sake and for his holy purposes. To make St. Joseph appear pure only because his flesh had aged is like glorifying a mountain stream that has dried. The church will not ordain a man to his priesthood who has not his vital powers. She wants men who have something to tame rather than those who are tame because they have no energy to be wild. The next couple of invocations are head of the holy family, pillar of families, glory of domestic life and foster father of the son of God. We are in the throes of a universal crisis of families as never seen before. But if we look to the Holy Family, we see a model of what a family should be, of Jesus and Mary bending their wills to St. Joseph and surrendering their hearts to him. St. Joseph is a saint of the childhood and the hidden years of our Lord. His was a fatherhood characterized by strength, authority and headship at the service of Our Lady and Our Lord. Men are called to look to and imitate him in their fatherhood and in his love for Our Lady. Manhood and fatherhood are perfected through love, sacrifice and faithfulness to those entrusted to their care. Not only will this bring about the conviction of the role of husbands and fathers as the pillars of society, but the elevation of men to greater heights of sanctity. If we take a moment to think about the kind of man St. Joseph was, one found worthy to guard the virginity of Our Lady and bring up the Son of God, we can scarcely resist the inclination to believe that he possessed in the most superlative way all the virtues. Certainly, the divine nature of our Lord required nothing from St. Joseph, but his humanity needed a father who could model masculinity for him in a manner worthy of imitation. Jesus must have learned how to sacrifice from the example of St. Joseph, how to work, pray, and how to be a gentleman. St. Jose Maria Escriva asserts that our Lord must have resembled St. Joseph in his way of working and in the feature of his character. St. Joseph's paternal relationship with Jesus was personal, authoritative, affectionate, moral, and loving. This is precisely the fatherhood all men are called to imitate, and the fatherhood St. Joseph longs to have with we his spiritual children. 
Pope Benedict XVI once said, There is but one fatherhood, that of God the Father, the creator of the world, of all that is seen and unseen. Yet man, created in the image of God, has been granted a share in the one paternity of God. St. Joseph is a striking case of this, since he is a father, without fatherhood according to the flesh. He is not the biological father of Jesus, whose father is God alone, yet he lives his fatherhood fully and completely. To be a father means, above all, to be at the service of life and growth. St. Joseph, in this sense, gave proof of great devotion. The next invocations are model of workmen and lover of poverty. When our Lord abased himself and took on our flesh, he became capable of human labor and elevated work to a level of greatness that did not exist before his incarnation. In his humanity, our Lord learned how to work by imitating the example of St. Joseph. If Jesus, through whom all things were made, things visible and invisible, deigned to learn how to work as a human from St. Joseph, then our spiritual father is certainly a model of how to work well, in such a way that benefits the individual, the family, and society. I cannot imagine the difficulty of the work of a carpenter all those years ago. In comparison to what we have today, the tools they had back then were rudimentary. But our Lord partook of this difficulty because he wanted to sanctify work and teach us that it is honorable and pleasing to God. This is precisely why the devil hates a diligent worker. From the example of St. Joseph, we are able to discern the proper place of work in our lives. He had time for family, work, and prayer. God does not want us to burn out from fatigue. He wants us to enjoy the beauty of his creation all around us. Undertaking work without a moment of rest is in a sense failure to acknowledge the power of divine providence. He who rests well, works well. God the Father delights in his children, even in their sleep. St. Therese of Lisieux would on occasion experience drowsiness in prayer and would often fall asleep until God made it known to her that he delights in her even while she sleeps. Keep in mind that St. Joseph's sleep was a prayer because God spoke to him while he rested. St. Joseph was also an extremely poor man and pretentious in the eyes of the world and completely detached from material things. Just how poor was he? Well, he could not afford a lamb for the Jewish rite of the purification and offered a poor man's gift of two turtle doves. St. Joseph was fully resigned to divine providence. He knew he had under his stewardship two of the most precious hearts that ever beat, those of our Lord and his blessed mother. He could scarcely fathom a greater treasure. Although St. Joseph never had the opportunity of receiving Holy Communion, he possessed the humanity of our Lord and adored him day and night. In St. Joseph, 
we have a model of what it means to be truly poor in spirit and how to adore our Lord with great reverence and love in perfect contemplation of his divinity. The final invocation is patron of the dying. There is no saint who loved our Lord and his blessed mother as perfectly as St. Joseph, nor will there ever be. He will teach you how to love and how to be devoted to the hearts of Jesus and Mary as he was for so many years. Venerable Mary of Agreda once said that the real cause of St. Joseph's death was love, literally. His mission was to get his wife and his divine son to Calvary, where they could offer the redemptive sacrifice for souls. St. Joseph had already partaken of his suffering before Calvary. His sacrifice required death to self every single day without respite, when his body eventually gave out to the limits of his human nature. He endured an interior martyrdom that lasted decades of such intensity that no martyr's blood could ever compare to the sacrificial love he offered to Jesus and Mary. Love consumed him. St. Joseph gave everything for Jesus and Mary. He poured himself out, and when completely exhausted from love, he died from having loved so much, and he was rewarded with the holiest death imaginable gazing upon the faces of Jesus and Mary. We must commit to be other Josephs for our Lord and Our Lady, loving them unwaveringly and making frequent acts of the presence of God, even in the midst of the busyness of our lives, if we are ever to attain the sanctity for which we were created. When we consecrate our lives to St. Joseph and remain in a state of grace, he will obtain for us the greatest of graces, the gift of a holy death. Until recently, very little was known about St. Joseph. Except for Our Lady, no saint has been so highly exalted. Ite ad Joseph. Go to Joseph, and he will direct you to Jesus and Mary. St. Francis de Sales once said, If the lily, by being exposed only for a few days to the light and heat of the sun, acquires its dazzling whiteness, who can conceive the extraordinary degree to which St. Joseph was exalted by being exposed as he was day and night for so many years to the rays of the sun of justice and of the mystical moon who derives her splendor from him. On this solemnity of St. Joseph, in the year of St. Joseph, I'd like to invite you to reflect on the person of this great saint. As the earthly father of our Lord, who is the head of the mystical body, he is also the father of the other members of the mystical body. His fatherly heart is moved for love of you, two of the most precious people were entrusted to him. And so when we call out to him in great reverence and love, he will hasten to provide all that you need. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To you, O blessed Joseph, we come in our trials, and having asked the help of your most holy spouse, we confidently ask your patronage also, through that sacred bond of charity which united you to the Immaculate Virgin Mother of God, and through the fatherly love with which you embraced the child Jesus. We humbly beg you to graciously look upon the beloved inheritance which Jesus Christ purchased by his blood, and to aid us in all our necessities with your power and strength. O most provident guardian of the Holy Family, defend the chosen children of Jesus Christ. Most beloved Father, dispel the evil of falsehood and sin. Our most mighty protector, graciously assist us from heaven in our struggle with the powers of darkness. And just as you once saved the child Jesus from mortal danger, so now defend God's holy church from the snares of her enemies and from all adversity. Shield each one of us by your constant protection, so that, supported by your example and your help, we may be able to live a virtuous life, to die a holy death, and to obtain eternal happiness in heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.